welcome to this week's Fox Rugby Podcast. I'm Natalie Yanides, joined by Sam Worthington and Christy Doran today. Stephen Hoyles and Sean Maloney are too busy hanging out with Alan Alatoa and Scott Seo as we spoke and chase the other day. Boys, how are you going? Afternoon, Nat. Very well, thanks. Just back from Wallabies training where you were as well. And uh, yeah, lots to, to chat about there. Very well, Natalie. Good to see you were though, and uh, what a what an interesting week it's been. We've had lions, a lot we've going had on. wallabies. A lot going well, on. before you, before you start going off on your lions tangent and everything, let's talk about the wallabies. Let's first we're going to cover this first, this second test against Scotland. The wallabies just named their starting fifteen. Michael Check has named his starting fifteen. The only change in that side, Henry Spate's got a bit of a hamstring injury, so he's out, and Eto Nabuli. Comes in for his Wallabies debut. He's a fantastic story, Adonabuli. Yeah, yeah. It's a story that uh, I guess got a fair bit of media coverage at the time when he first came over to the NRL about uh, Andrew Johns and Brad Fittler spotting him at their hotel in Fiji and uh, and saying, well, look, that's a, that's a pretty inf- impressive physique you've got there. And one thing led to another um, and played in the NRL. So, yeah, it's actually we... we we're a bit surprised uh, when we looked it up that he was 28 years old, so he's far from a spring chicken here. He's probably ready um, in terms of his experience to, to give this a go and, and, and see if he is ready for, for test level. And Christy, I think you actually had a chat to him earlier this week before the team was, was named. Uh, how did you go with Eto? Oh, I think rather well. I was the only person that wanted to say hello to him, apparently. Um, no, no. The thing that strikes me, first of all, with Eto Huge. is he's a massive human being. Um, and not only that, he's got a ginormous smile, and it, he honestly does not stop smiling. And I have to say it to him because he's just, you know, like big bloke, uh, dark, and he's just got these teeth, and he's grinning through them. And it's and it's 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 nice to nice to see someone who's actually loving what he's doing at the moment. And he's come into his Wallabies camp. He's just seen the Fijians the previous week. You know, he was there until he was, what, 20, 22, 23 before coming over. So sitting on the sidelines, just watching, he was loving it, soaking it up. And he said that, oh, he wished he had been able to, 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 to play, but was biding his time, was trying to be patient, was learning a lot. And, uh, yeah, I suppose it's a little bit of fortune that uh, he gets named in a, a squad today and, and then you can roll out a piece on him. Um <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, yeah, no so, sometimes little carrots. They just, yeah, they just uh, randomly appear. But um, lovely bloke, and and I think it's earlier in the year, round two against the Western Force, is where he made people stand up and watch and go, wow, this guy's got some serious gas. He seriously, he scored one try not long after, gets the ball in his own twenty-two, and literally cuts the Force defence in half. Took uh, the breaks finally off. And he hit top gear, and boy, did he run. He yep. showed some pace that we hadn't seen in the, in the first year in 2016. Didn't see much in the first game in, uh, against the Sharks, and then suddenly out of nowhere, he literally just gassed him. Yeah, certainly a lot more comfortable in the second season of Super Rugby, and um, I think equal leading try score out of Australians with with Izzy Folau. And yeah, Checker today said that you know was obviously asked what gave him the edge over all those other wing options because there are a lot of them. There's Sefa Naivalu, Marika Koribidi, or the fellow Fijians that he's you know possibly well Sefa more established uh, Wallaby that he's got the nod over, but he just said he had an extra edge at at training. Um, just seemed a bit hungry and, and he really wanted it. So uh, which might come back to the enjoyment thing that you were talking about, maybe. 
you just showed when he's training. You might have just given that the little extra uh, spring in his step this week, Christy. Well, possibly. I, I don't want to take all the uh, <laughs> take some, take some all the credit, but no, he 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 does, and everyone says it about him. He's the he's the, he's the first that wants to to learn, and he, he's just soaking it all up. Um, and he said that George Smith and one of one of the you know. Obviously, he's defensively, he's had a few issues this year. Uh, he said that he's found that probably the most difficult part in terms of transitioning back um, from, from, from rugby league to union yep. is that in the, in the past in league, he could just kind of go high and, you know. Yep. But now he's got to chop them low and then get up and then get over the ball and keep going forward. And he's found that quite difficult. But fortunately, he's had George Smith there to help him out a little bit. That's interesting, though, because being... Fiji and I'm pretty sure he had a rugby background so going to league and then coming back was difficult that's interesting yeah yeah well like I, I, don't, I suppose what th- three years of, of doing something at a professional level because he was just playing village stuff back in Fiji before he was spotted mm. so uh, the technical part's probably always been the, the aspect that Fijian rugby has probably struggled with yeah, yeah i got to say, a little bit surprised that he did get selected because while we know he can run like the wind and, and he's a dangerous attacker, you know, he, there are some negative aspects to his game. He can't really kick, um, for instance. So uh, it's a bit of a risk here from, from Checker because I'm sure Scotland will target him, you know, p- put the ball into his corner and, and, and ask him to, to make decisions. So, yeah, a big ask. But uh, a couple of the other guys, Dane Hale at Petty, um, said he'd been working with his, you know, work under the high ball and, you know, pretty confident that he'd, he'd be fine out there. So, yeah. Yeah, be, be interesting times to see the big man in action. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes. The other, well, the side is unchanged apart from that, but the other interesting one is that Stephen Moore hasn't been recalled into the starting side. So that's two weeks in a, a row that Tatafu Pilota now will be the starting hooker and Michael Hooper will be the captain. What does this mean for Stephen Moore's captaincy? Yeah, well, the way that it's panned out, like I assume that Moore would be back this week. Um, but I think a lot of us did. Yeah, so the, uh, I'm... Trying to work out where Czech is coming from here. I, I don't know why he does. He didn't just say before the first test where we're making a change of, of captain. If he knew that he was gonna that Moore was no longer his top hooker, um, it, it's just created a bit of a strange dynamic. Um, I, it seems like Moore and, and Hooper get on okay, and, and it's all ha- you know happy days at the moment. But I, I just kind of wonder if he's now seemingly going to be captain for the whole June Test series. Why not make the change? Um, Moore, you know, probably still in your top three hookers in Australia. He's going to be a natural leader around the team anyway. Um, why not just make make the move? Um, I, I'm just a little bit confused by that. So he hasn't hasn't fully explained that yet, I guess. We're two years out from a World Cup, and we're already having these discussions. So maybe it is just better just to make the move, and we don't talk about it. Yeah. The the other interesting thing about Michael Checker at his time here in Australia, when he came back, you, you had you know Dave Dennis, part of the Waratahs, and 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 the captain and. There was a bit of a transition there with with Michael Hooper. I know that when 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 Daryl Gibson took over, then it was you know Hooper took over. Dave Dennis becomes the club captain, and I wonder whether or not there is a little bit that with the with the Wallabies at the moment where they're trying to say to, to Hooper, look, we see you obviously long long term going forward as as the captain, but at the moment we don't want to add those you know the extra responsibilities of all the off field stuff, which Stephen Moore is. There's, there's hardly. A, a, a bad word said about Stephen Moore in in the world. He's one of the most respected figures going around globally. Yeah. 
Yep. So oh, this right. is this isn't you know about Stephen Moore's character or anything like that. This is just we're trying to work out what's going on in Michael Checker's head. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder as well whether or not Michael Checker, oh, he, he probably would have seen uh, Stephen Moore how he went for the Reds, and and he said that he wanted to see more out of him and expected him to to reach those heights and and get back to them. But maybe maybe. Stephen Moore hasn't quite been delivering at training, and he's yeah. you know lacking that punch. Conversely, maybe it's Michael Hooper that has impressed Michael Checker. We've I think that Michael Hooper's really come on as a leader this year. We spoke to Bernard Foley about it, which that interview will air on Fox Sports News 500 later on in the day. Just his improvement as a captain, and Michael's spoken about it during the year as well, where he's spoken about working with psychologists. He'd never really, never really been taught how to be a captain, and so this year we've seen when we had the player mics and things like that on kick and chase, just how much he's evolved as a as a leader. Yeah, I think Christy, you spoke with him also earlier in the week, and he, he really, you can tell he feels comfortable now with the the captaincy. You know, I think it was thrust on him at what twenty two years old, twenty two, one of the youngest. youngest. Yeah, yeah. So um, you can tell now he he's understands the role and 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 he's completely up for it, which once again makes me wonder why Checker just hasn't made that change because I think he, when the Wallabies squad was named, he said no more is still my my captain, my number one hooker, and, and then obviously something's changed. So yeah, an interesting yeah. dynamic amongst the team at the moment. But as long as they keep winning, everyone will be be happy, I guess. Because we did ask Check about that about the number one hooker, and he pretty he did confirm that Moore is no longer his number yep. one. Yep, on form. So yeah, and he does also uh, put a lot of emphasis in his finishes, who, who he finishes the game with. And he said today that uh, the reserves bench finalised tomorrow, but it's going to be more Kepo, Kepu and uh, Seo, the World Cup experience front row coming off the bench. So yeah, interesting stuff. But he, he's clearly settled on his uh, only the one injury and force change. So this is clearly what he views as his top team at the moment and there's a, a lot of new faces in it. We can't forget as well that Michael Checker over the, the years, particularly at the Wallabies, has just, you know, bombshell after bombshell. Uh, you've, you've not really known what way Michael Checker's going to turn. So <laughs> you wouldn't be surprised that come <laughs> come August, September, when the Rugby Championship rolls around... Christy Doran is captain. Is that what that, you su- that, uh, that That Stephen Moore is, is back and, and wearing that number two jersey. Yeah, honestly, I... I don't know what to <laughs> what to think with with that guy. I, I'd be putting my money more on on Hooper, but but like you say, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Okay, now the Wallabies take on Scotland this weekend. Got a bit of history. There's a bit of a rivalry growing between the two nations. The last two games, Australia have won by one point. And both times, Bernard Foley's kicked the goal that's won them the game. Now today, the Wallabies had a media call and. The Iceman they call Bernard Foley. So naturally, we got an ice sculpture of. Well, I, th- I think it was Bernard Foley. It was kind of hard to tell. It was melting a little bit, but also didn't really particularly have the right facial features. I well, guess. that facial hair that you. I just think you. I think you're being a little bit harsh. I saw you. I saw you uh, staring into the Ice Man's eyes, Nat, and I. I thought it was a reasonable likeness uh, of, of Bernard Foley. The and real Ice Man or the actual ice? Uh, well, both. Both. Mm. Both. But uh, yeah, look, I, I, a bit left field, but I, I thought it was uh, very good. Uh, look, the kids were loving it, weren't they? They were all touching it and was sort of melting away and then uh, ended, ended on a bit of a sour note with mm-hmm. Luke and Tui uh, chopping his head off. But uh, it was, yeah, something a little bit different. Why not? Do we know how long it took for the Iceman to be sculpted? No, the the sculptor was there, so that we, probably, we probably needed you there to... Needed you there to ask the tough questions, but uh, very impressive detail on it, I, I thought. And um, yeah, I think Bernard was a little bit embarrassed by the whole by the whole scene. But um, no, ice, ice sculptures and rugby, I'm all for it. 
All for it. It was insane, but it was so funny. And like you said, when Luke Antui just got him straight in the eye and his head <laughs> fell off. Um, of course, you can get to Sam Worthington's Twitter to see that exclusive vision there. But, okay, let's talk Let's talk the game. What are we expecting from Scotland? They've got a couple of players. Well, obviously, Stuart Hogg's injured now over with the Lions, but they've still got their captain, Laidlaw, over there and Seymour's over there. What are we making of this team? Are they going to challenge the Aussies at all? Yeah, I think they absolutely will be. And I think uh, as talking to the Wallabies guys today, they're all expecting it to be another close test. So, yeah, I think uh, more of the same, really close. But you'd back the Wallabies to be able to get over the over the line. Um, not a completely full-strength Scottish team. Uh, three of their Lions players um, not there. And I think the one that they'll probably really miss is, is Greg Laidlaw, the, the regular captain at halfback. He gives them a, a hell of a lot of direction. So, yeah, a lot of pressure on young Finn Russell, who's a very talented number 10. Um, played well again at the weekend. And, yeah, I know Bennett Foley had a lot of admiration for him as well. So, yeah, Scotland, for whatever reason, they don't. People still kind of don't get too excited about them, but they're number five in the world, and they yeah, we forget that. And they play some good attacking rugby. So uh, yeah, I, I think uh, thankfully the Wallabies know full well just how big a, a challenge they've got in their hands. And um, I, I can yeah, you can have an, an abrasive forward pack. Uh, Finn Russell, the the main creator in the back line, and that'll be the main guy that the Wallabies have to shut down. Chrissy, you're a big fan of Finn Russell. How's your chase been going this week? You've been trying to get him on <laughs> to do a story on him. Oh, he's, he's a cracking player. Um, and you had this week, you had the couple of coaches, uh, Gregor Townsend and, and, and Matt Taylor, the former Queensland Reds and Australian under-20s coach, just praising him uh, immensely. He's 20, 24, he's already played that many test matches, played in the World Cup quarterfinal. He, he really attacks the line, he, 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 he makes things happen. And, and that's what Scotland loves so much about him because previously they've had a couple of doubts, kind of 10s, I suppose, that haven't been able to, to, to challenge oppositions. And this guy, young, he's got everything about him. And, and uh, we saw last year, in the space of a couple of minutes, him do a couple of special things at Murrayfield and Scotland raced to a quick lead. Um, he, yeah, you're, you're right, Were though. He's, he's certainly the, the main playmaker and... and uh, Without Laidlaw, it will be a huge challenge because he controls things so nicely. He's got a, a good kicking game. Um, he's certainly the captain. He controls things. He's the goal kicker. He's the general. So a lot of pressure on, on Price, who's the, the scrum half. I'm really interested to see Hamish Watson, who's the uh, the, the open side flanker. Um, he, he kind of came through the, uh, the Six Nations and impressed a lot there earlier in the year. So... There's um, Barkley's the, the captain at blindside. So I think they're going to trouble the, the Wallabies. It'll be interesting to see what what happens with the weather conditions because we're expected a bit of rain to, to come about. And um, today Townsend was talking about the fullback uh, Tonks, Greg Tonks, um, who, who loves to play that ball-in-hand style. So these are two teams that I don't think we're going to see a lot of kicking involved. Um, so, so whether the conditions on Saturday afternoon will, will have a, a big impact on the game. Yeah, the weather forecast not the best, uh, and yeah, you've run through some of the key players there. Johnny Gray, another familiar name in the the Scottish pack. His brother Richie uh, not not here with him, so hopefully he doesn't miss him too much. But he's a just a tackling machine, isn't he? he? He has some amazing tackle counts and barely misses one. So yeah, they, they've got some more than handy players. The Scots is no that doubt where about it's it. going to be won in the forwards? Uh, oh, I think 
I'll would say that if the Wallabies can match the Scottish pack, they'll probably have a bit too much firepower in the backs. Um, the Scots are missing Stuart Hogg, and and I think Finn Russell might have a bit too much on his plate. And I think the Wallabies will realise if they if they shut him down, um, and, and Carmichael Hunt will have uh, a big job there. Then then they'll fancy you know themselves are winning the test. But yeah, it'll it'll be pretty tight, I think, in some potentially treacherous conditions. And you said that Scott Sayer is likely to come onto the bench, did you, or not? Yeah, well, Checker said at the press conference that the bench front row, which will be revealed tomorrow, is going to be probably the World Cup front row, which includes Sayer. So, yeah, he must be back up and about. It's a, it's a pretty exciting proposition to see him come on, return match for the Wallabies. He's only played a couple of games this year, and he's going to come up against Nell, who's been named on the, on the bench for Scotland. And we know that in that quarterfinal in the World Cup... CEO was absolutely demolished. Yep. Uh, there could have been some illegal binding yep. uh, in there. I know that that Kearns, he was was big on it at the time. But uh, yeah, WP now a great player, absolute powerhouse we, of the pack. We spoke to him during the week, Christy. I can't believe you didn't ask him about his illegal binding. <laughs> well, look, he he probably struggles to to put sentences together. Ha, we, the, oh, South, he, the South African. No, in all fairness, he's had a go at his binding and his. We and his, didn't understand what and his ex. In his language. We this didn't is... understand what anyone was saying in that press conference. Between all the Scottish accents and everyone jumping in on top of each other, we we were very out of our depth in this press conference. It's an amazing story, though, because he's had a couple of neck injuries now, and he's come back, and, and at times he would have had grave doubts as to whether or not he would ever get back on the field. Um, a couple of innocuous sort of defensive tackles, and he, he slipped a disc um, so he was out of the game for, for eight eight months, and uh, good to see him back. He only made his test re- return last week against Italy, where he started and played pretty well, uh, won a few penalties. So he's certainly coming back into form. So it was interesting to see him named on the on the bench, and I'm sure he'll have a huge impact when he comes on. What do you reckon, Nat? What's your tip for the game? I'm going to go the Wallabies by one point just because I like the idea of things happening in threes. The Iceman to do it again? What Why do you reckon? Not? Why not? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep, keep knocking them over, Bernard. Keep it going. Keep it on a string, I say. Okay, the other big issue in Australian rugby this week, or today, I should say, Tony McGahn's departure from the Melbourne Rebels. Uh, it, I thought it was interesting given that he has been in Wallabies camp this week. All the super rugby coaches were in, all the Australian super rugby coaches were invited to come into Wallabies camp on Tuesday. I think they were out there watching them train at Leichhardt Oval. Tony McGahn was there. Two days later, he's gone as Rebels coach. Apparently his decision, good move, bad move. Yeah, well, Michael Checker was really surprised when uh, that news was broken to him today. He, he didn't know anything about it and he was like, hang on, I was just having a, a chat with this bloke the other day and um, had no word of it. So, yeah, certainly a, a surprise to, to him. But, look, uh, it, it's hard to know how much to, to read into this and whether we're reading into if it means something for the future of the Rebels and the Force and how that all pans out. Uh, I think it's very clear now that if the the force are the one that folds, uh, Dave Vessel's clearly the obvious man to to take over the Rebels now. And and uh, you know what, you've got to have some sympathy for McGann this season with all the off-field mess. It's it's pretty hard to coach a team in that scenario. But and injuries and injuries. Yeah, they've got a horrific injury toll every every year, seemingly, um, which is an, another matter. But yeah, look, the results just haven't been there, have they? And I'm sure Tony would be the first to put his hand up and, and say that. So. Look, I, I think it is. I think he's been there maybe his fifth, fourth or fifth season. Fourth season. So, yeah, I think he's had a good crack at it now. And, and, and if the Rebels do continue, it's time for someone else to take over. 
Yeah, I think uh, McGann right the way through this season has kind of spoken pretty clearly and, and openly, I think, uh, especially to, to his players. And he, he said a couple of weeks ago after their, um, when they came up against the Waratahs and they, they, had a, they were thrashed in the second half, really, and, and said, look, it's just been tough. It's been really tough. And, um, yeah, the injuries coupled with the ongoing saga, uh, which is the, the Super Rugby acts to, to either the Force or the Rebels, it's it's just been a nightmare for him. I think it's probably a good a good decision to, to move on, and whether or not he was kind of pushed into it a little bit, uh, I'm sure he, he possibly would have. He would have seen the results, and he's a smart man, and he's actually a very, very nice guy too. And um, you're right, he, he was there on Tuesday, and um, so I suppose it is a bit of a surprise, but, you know, there's a month off now in June. It's probably a good move for the Rebels going forward if they're the team that's going to be, you know, kept yeah. going forward in Australian rugby, that, that that happens sooner rather than later. It's looking more and more likely, just given by who's signing who and where what's going and, you know, the word on the grapevine, it's looking more and more likely that the force are probably gone, isn't it? It, it keeps changing every couple of weeks doesn't it but you're quite right at the moment uh reading the tea leaves that does appear to be where it's going so yeah the rebels of late have been more active with their recruitment and and i guess this is another this is why you need to make that move and, and get it out in the open who's if the coach is going to be there or not so that players know what what they're dealing with um so yeah the rebels are snapping up players left right and center now that the the moratorium has been lifted uh, jeff parling the england test lock um, Henry Hutchison, the seven star, Harrison um, Goddard, the young under twenties scrum half. So, yeah, lots, uh, lots going on uh, both on and off the field in Australian rugby as always. I'd like to say that we're going to have a better idea after Tuesday's EGM, but I, I don't think that we're going to get too much out of it. An extraordinary general meeting. Do you reckon they have an extraordinarily good lunch at these extraordinary general meetings? What do you reckon? Like an extra special platter? I wouldn't know, mate, but I'd hope <laughs> we don't so. Get invited it's, to it's, it's pretty important that you're I'm, well fed when you've got some big decisions coming. I'm, I'm picturing an extraordinary tapas plate, perhaps, or just just something a little extra. Do you reckon <laughs> they have champagne? <laughs> they have champagne. Yeah. <laughs> of course they will. There's no doubt about that. But um, yeah, look, it, it it could be a bit of a non-event where they just say, look, uh, we're, we're going to you know keep this under our hat and, and, and roll on or or it could be some actual heads rolling um next week couldn't it with if if um if people do have a vote of no confidence in, in the ARU board so yeah obviously a huge huge day looming mm, watch be, this space yeah it's gonna be a very interesting one of course the wallabies will be up in brisbane at the time so it's right in the middle of, i thought i really thought that they were sort of putting it off so that they could could hold it in that week between the the june internationals and the Super Rugby starting up again, but they've got it in the middle, so this is where we are. So this is just, like you said, just wait and see what happens, watch this space. Yeah, I think the South Africans is a bit of movement there as well with the teams they're cutting, that they've uh, put a deadline in place of July 17, I think it was, um, to, to make a call on their team. So yeah, we're expecting the, the Cheaters and the Kings to, to go over there as well. Well, Sansa need to start working on their fixtures. Yep. So. Yeah, I think, yeah, they're already putting together sort of uh, draft copies, but yeah, they need to absolutely firm things up and, and a lot to plan for obviously yeah Gregor Townsend was was asked uh, that question this morning would two South African teams uh, like add value to, to the, the, the Pro 12 competition over in Europe and Townsend was pretty coy uh, in response by saying oh look you know there's teams already in Italy Scotland Ireland Wales they certainly prob- probably would um, same kind of time zone uh, but didn't you know 
throw too much in there by saying whether or not it'd be a good thing or, or, or a bad thing. But yep. uh, it, it's it's more than likely that those two teams will, will end up in in the pro and. It'll be, over the years to come, and with the broadcast deal ending in 2020, it'll be extraordinarily interesting to see whether or not we see more teams potentially join that competition. Um, and if that's the case, then, then Super Rugby, uh, it will shift in, in another direction. Yeah, yeah, and I think there is uh, some real appetite for that. Australia, you could have an Australia, New Zealand, Pacific, Japan competition, and like you say, with the South African time zone, it just doesn't match up. So, yeah, that, that could certainly be where we're heading, and I don't think that would be a bad thing. Yeah, I think that might be the favoured model. It's just a matter of, of getting New Zealand on board with it all. Speaking of New Zealand, we've got another Lions test coming up this weekend. We've got the Maori All Blacks on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You're looking forward to this one, Sammy? I reckon it's going to be an absolute beauty, that one. Yeah, it's the... the Last, well, the, the the true dress rehearsal for the Lions. Um, they've named um, almost their, their strongest team. I think this is going to be very close to their team for the first test, possibly with the exception of Sam Warburton, who's the, the captain for the tour. He, he, he could be in a bit of a Stephen Moore situation, actually, where he's not probably the best uh, number seven in the squad, but he's been picked as captain, so it, an interesting little uh, dynamic there for Warren Gatlin. But, yeah, the the Lions, it's been an absolute roller coaster there in New Zealand. Um, a, a terrible performance off off the plane first up against some some uh, you know semi pro type players in New Zealand then they uh uh, what did they do after that? They stumbled against, they the, stu- blues. Stumbled against the Blues. Um, that was a little bit embarrassing, that loss. Then they produced a, a stirring performance against the Crusaders. Incredible defence and, um, and and some great forward play in that game. But then another backward step uh, overall against the Highlanders. So, yep, it's uh, there's no easy games over there. And, and the Māori All Blacks have named a, an incredibly strong team, like a, a rock star back line and some handy forwards as well. So, yeah, this is going to be a, a fantastic game to watch, I think, uh, out of Rotorua on Saturday. Yeah, what I'm excited about it is is the the nine, ten, twelve combination. Like we are starting to see those combinations, and I think a lot of people were surprised when Owen Farrell's name wasn't in the starting fifteen, and, and you saw Sexton because he has had a slow start to to the uh, the tour, but he showed a, a few. Moments against the Crusaders last Saturday, where he came on, and there was an injury which which forced Teo to go to thirteen, and we saw uh, Sexton come in at ten, and Farrell shift to twelve, and we thought, hey, it's quite possible that we're we're seeing what what, what happens with England when you've got uh, George Ford and 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 uh, Farrell next to him, so. A huge opportunity for Johnny Sexton, and he's got to stamp his name on that ten jersey, and he's going to be coming up against Damian McKenzie, who hasn't played a hell of a lot of 10 for the Chiefs, predominantly at fullback, but shifts there for this weekend. So two, two, uh, well, I think McKenzie pretty inexperienced in the, in the, in the position there. And, um, yeah, huge opportunity for, for, for Sexton. Yeah, Farrell will surely be in that starting team somewhere. It's just a matter of whether it's 10 or, or 12, I, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's still the favourite for the 10 jersey. But like you say, if Sexton has a blinder, then um, they might go with that dual playmaker model. But but Ben Teo, I think, as you've been uh, you know been sort of singing his praises over the last few months, Christy, I think he's, as, as it stands, I'd be putting my money on Farrell at 10 and, and Teo at 12 for that, that first test. Well, that was the next question. Has Ben Teo done enough to get that starting spot for the first test? Yeah, I definitely think he has. Uh, the, the first game you could um, take with a grain of salt, given the calibre of the opposition. But then against the Crusaders, he really stood up again. And yeah, look, he's he's making some dominant tackles, some some good carries, and, and some nice subtle touches as well. So yeah, just just 
it's how much you weigh up the value of these tour performances. But uh, yeah, I'm sure Gatlin's putting a lot of lot of stock in that, and, and Teo just clearly looks up for the occasion. I think. Christy? Yeah, I think right from the start, like Gatlin's always played his style and he's had Jamie Roberts there for Wales do it for so many years that you thought, well, oh, look, if Teo does play play well early on, that uh, he's going to be pretty hard to shift from in that position. And we've seen that. And he's versatile, I suppose, in the sense that he can play 12 and 13. Um, so so if there is an injury, he can shift to, 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 to outside, which is what he did last weekend. And the thing you know what you're going to get from him is he's going to run straight and he's not going to miss many any tackles and uh, his, his ball handling has been superb um, and we saw one, one opportunity that he probably let slip last week where he made a break and, and couldn't quite find his winger outside him but apart from that he's been blemish free so it's a rugby league takeover at number 12 I'm just thinking about it you got Sonny Bill who'll be uh, in the All Blacks 12 jersey almost certainly and then Carmichael Hunt here in Australia as well so it's uh, a league takeover of number 12 yeah the, the bloke who I think as well um, who probably wasn't, quite hasn't made his mark down under has been Rory Best to uh, the Irish skipper who we thought was a, was a strong chance to start and uh, in a couple of performances he hasn't really made an impression he missed that line out that was crucial the other night too so he's not in the 23 this week and, and Jamie George the England backup is starting so yeah. Um, yeah. interesting yeah I think it's very close to the team we'll see maybe CJ Stander might come in for Omani potentially who's a very good line out forward and actually captaining the the team this week but uh, yeah I think Connor Murray will be your halfback with with Reese Webb a great weapon off the bench so yeah it's it's kind of coming together for for Warren Gatlin but uh, yeah nothing that would terrify the All Blacks just yet although you know the line speed that they've shown they're going to have to be very good to get around that because they're absolutely flying off that line in defense and, and causing a few issues there. Of course, you can catch all the action of that Maori All Blacks game against the Lions following Australia taking on Scotland. That's all going to be on Channel 501 on Fox Sports. Boys, anything else you want to add? Not really. We've obviously got uh, Friday double header as well with uh, Wales Tonga. I think you can watch that on BN Sports and then switch over to Fox for uh, the All Blacks Samoa test. So that the All Blacks have basically named uh, their full strength team as well against a, a very handy Samoan team. So there'll be some some huge hits and some some good skill on, on display there as well. The big one there, I think, Artie Surveyor at eight with Kieran Reid not being uh, fit for, for the match. So Kane at seven, uh, Surveyor at eight. Well, that's. Um, it's going to be a bit of heat at that breakdown. So um, a sign of things to come potentially there. Uh, just a quick tip, um, Natalie and, and Sam, on, on the on the matches. So I know we quickly covered the Scotland one, but uh, let's start with the Lions and, and, and the, the Maori All Blacks. Look, uh Flip a coin there. I'll, I'll give it to the uh, to the mighty Maori. They're just going to play with so much passion um, and, and such a classy backline as well. So hopefully the weather's okay, and uh, yeah, I reckon they can do what they did in '05 and 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 get the result. I think we can expect a, an improved performance by the Lions. Like you said, they're starting to finally this work, is their out top their combina- work out their combinations and yeah, we're getting closer to that team that they will take on New Zealand with. That said, I still think the Maori All Blacks are probably going to pip them. Right, well, I'm going to um, go for the Lions and I'm thinking they're going to put a couple of trials on and win by 10. I think we'll see that the... Uh, the the Maori the combinations might not quite have clicked at this stage, and we'll see what the what you know what the Lions what they showed in the first couple of weeks is that combinations do take longer than one match to start to gel. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, what about Wales Tonga, New Zealand Samoa? Any thoughts? 
Oh, you struggle to see an upset there, so I think you go for probably the Wales and the All Blacks. Yeah, I think the line with the bookmakers is about 37 points start for the Samoans, so yeah, it could be a, a long day at the office for them. Although, you know, the All Blacks be rusty as well. They badly need this hit out. They tend to start slowly in the first test of the season. That's just natural. So a, a vital hit out for them, and, and Jerome Kaino also making his uh, return after a long injury layoff. So, yeah, lots an absolute smorgasbord of rugby over the weekend. Yeah, plenty, right, of, plenty of rugby internationals going on this weekend. Like I said, you can catch the action of the Australia-Scotland game and the Maori All Blacks-Lions game on Channel 501 on Fox Sports. Boys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Christy. No thanks to Sean and Stephen Wills, who were not here today. Um, but you can catch the podcast again next week.